a message is called Real Life, Your Mission Field. Awesome. So I've been thinking about the term missionary um, for the past few while. Because uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've had some friends who have been missionaries come home on sabbatical, um, just you know, catch up with family and stuff. We had Jo here a couple of weeks ago, who's been a missionary, who is a missionary in Ethiopia, and she's been home. She's just gone back to Ethiopia for her next year, which has been awesome. And we've got other friends who are coming back on sabbatical in the next few weeks, so hopefully you get to meet them as well. And then we've had other friends who are about to embark on their missions journey, um, which I know is going to completely change their lives. Now, when I was younger, I used to think that the term missionary was such a loaded term. Um, it used to conjure up images of old people with grey hair, because that's what we always saw. Dressed in brown, completely in brown, with you know, wrinkly stockings, they're hot, um, with brown hikaris giving really long, boring talks or slideshows using actual slides, um, because it was back in the dark ages, after they've returned home for 50 years living on a third world nation. Um, you know, it's completely crazy, but that's the perception that I've always had of missionaries. But to be honest, not a single one of the missionaries I have ever met has ever been like that. You know, they're all awesome and amazing people um, of all different ages and backgrounds and experiences, but all with a fire in their belly and a passion for Jesus and the people that they serve. Um, at our church in Invercargill, where we've come from, they have a sign across the door. Um, they used to love reading as we left church and say, you are now entering your mission field. And I love that. You know, you are now entering your mission field. So think about that for a second. Your mission field. My mission field. So that would mean that each of us are missionaries. Not a select few, not just the special ones or the leaders or the pastors, but each and every one of us. Now, I'd hope that I don't fit the stereotype of the missionary that I had when I was younger. Um, I don't own brown stockings, and I haven't worn a cardigan for at least 12 years, so that's quite a good start. And I'm fully integrated with the digital age, so no slideshows of actual slides from me anytime soon. Um, and looking around, none of you guys actually fit that description, so we're all good. But each of us, in our own unique way, are on mission. Matthew 5, 13-16 says, Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste the godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. You, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt other people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. I love that. You know, we are all missionaries, whether we think of ourselves in that way or not. We're all called to be salt to the world, making people thirsty for Jesus. Now, as Christians, we carry something that the rest of the world needs, whether it knows it or not. We don't have to go to a third world country or a disaster zone to do this. Thank goodness. Now, I'm not in no way discrediting overseas missions, okay, and that's really important. Um, I've actually done three, um, three short-term missions myself to three different, well, I've been to three different countries on short-term missions. Um, and I've seen firsthand how they can impact Jesus. Um, impact people for Jesus, but so often um, people limit missions to this expression. You know, missions is more than just going overseas to an unreached people group, because we have so many unreached people groups 
annihilation and in their town. Not all of us are called to serve overseas missions, and that's awesome. Um, but we are called to be mission, missionaries in the place that we find ourselves now. And this may be um, you know, a place of study, it could be a workplace, our home, our town, our family, or wherever. Okay, reaching out to those around us, it could be our family, our friends, our workmates, classmates, neighbours, or that random chick at the supermarket checkout. They may be broken in need of healing, lonely in need of a friend, hungry in need of a feed, or lost in need of direction. Whatever it is that they are looking for, because we have Jesus, we have the answers that can satisfy them. Matthew 28, 18-20, also known as the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, Jesus basically told us to go out into the world and reach out to those around us. And if you don't reach those in your world, who will? Now, the ultimate example of a missionary is Jesus. He reached out to the misfits of society, the prostitutes, the murderers and thieves. You know, if you think of the stories that we read in the Bible, you know, the woman at the well, Zacchaeus up the tree. Jesus was quite literally a radical. He didn't conform to the bounds of, society, of, the bounds of society or focus on being seen as proper. Um, instead, he was a living example of the love of God. Sometimes I, um, I think, you know, there's times I think, oh, I shouldn't do that because that's not proper. It's not, should I do that? I'm the pastor. Is that, is that proper for me to go talk to that person? Is it proper for me to go and do that? But actually, Jesus didn't worry about that. He didn't worry about what other people would think. You know, if he went and ate food with this person who was despised, or if he went and sat with this person who was a sinner. At the end of the day, we're all sinners. None of us are perfect. You know what? God loves us as we are. If we were waiting... For, our, you know, for people to be perfect, to come into relationship with God, or to walk through the doors of the church, we'd have an empty building. Not a single one of us would be here. And so sometimes we can be too caught up in thinking, oh, is this the right thing to do? What will people think, or actually, what is it that God's asking us to do? And one of the things I'm looking at Jesus as an example of missionary is one of the things I saw that um, he was constantly interrupted. But looking through, when you look at those situations, I began to see that interruption can be the space where miracles can happen. Mark 10, 46-52 says, They spent some time in Jericho, and as Jesus was leaving town, trailed by his disciples and a parade of people, a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting alongside the road. When he heard that Jesus the Nazarene was passing by, he began to cry out, Son of David, Jesus, mercy, have mercy on me. Many tried to hush him up, but he yelled all the louder, Son of David, mercy, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped in his tracks and said, Call him over. They called him, It's your lucky day, get up, he's calling to you, come. Throwing off his coat, he was at his, off his, on his feet at once and came to Jesus. Jesus said, What can I do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. On your way, said Jesus, your faith has saved and healed you. And in that very instant, he recovered his sight and followed Jesus down the road. Now, Jesus was constantly interrupted wherever he went. Crowds would follow. People would grab at him constantly, pulling him away from where he was going. They were pulling him away to pray for him, for them to talk, to see their beloved ones, or to have themselves healed. And many were hoping for a miracle. Now, Jesus walked everywhere. Okay, So there was no like plane or train or 
push bike to, you know, get yourself from one place to another. Now, it could take days to get somewhere. It, it wasn't just like, you know, you'd be there at your destination a couple of hours. So interruptions could have the potential to put him days away from reaching his destination, especially when you consider the amount of interruptions he would have. Um, if that was me, I'd be getting severely ticked off and losing a lot of patience because I don't have a lot of patience for interruptions. I don't like them. But for Jesus... These interruptions were the space where the miracles were happening. You know, the blind man was healed and he could see. Jesus was interrupted by the leper and the leper was healed with his, by his leprosy, of his leprosy. Um, he healed the centurion's servant. Um, and Jairus' daughter was healed and brought back to life again. There's all examples. I've got the, um, the references for those if you want them later. But, you know, those are times where Jesus was on his way somewhere and people pulled him away and they stopped him. Sometimes we can be so focused on where we're going and what we have to do that we can miss the opportunity for the miracle. Now, interruptions can come. The checkout operator serving you may be having a really rough day. Okay? You can either concentrate on getting your groceries ASAP and getting out of there, because it can be a bit crazy at times, um, or you can take the opportunity to take a moment to talk with them. You know, give them some encouragement. Hey, how's your day going? Uh, oh, it is really busy at the moment. Yeah. Oh, you're doing good. You know, take that moment just to take time to actually listen to them and talk to them. Or maybe a friend contacts you and asks you to meet her for coffee urgently as she's having her fifth crisis this week, when you already have a million other things to do. Now, you don't know what it is, but maybe this is the opportunity for you to share God's love for her with her. Now, we can push the opportunity aside because it doesn't fit in with our plan of what we're doing. Or we can suck it up and see what God will do. Recently, I had a friend who I haven't heard from in quite a long time um, just contact me with heaps of questions about church. Um, her partner, who she's been living with for years, um, has suddenly wanted to come back to church. She had no idea that he had a church background at all because it's never been in their frame of reference of their relationship whatsoever. And he's lived a completely different lifestyle to what he's now wanting to live. You know, and he wants her to come along to church with her. And, um, with him, and she's freaking out because... Church isn't in her point of reference at all. Like she's like, what do they do there? How do I stand? What what am I to expect? Like what is all this? She's got no concept whatsoever of what church is like, you know. And and she's like completely freaking out about it, you know. It was really late when I got a message, um, and I was in the middle of doing work, and I knew I had to like get up early to go to work um, in the morning. I was really tired, but I knew I had a choice. I could either take the interruption and respond to her questions well, like well thought out, and actually think about what it is that she was needing to know and what she was asking. Or I could just ignore them and get back to her later, or I could just give her a half-pint answer. Oh, you know, it's all fine. People be friendly. You sing songs. God will be there. It'll be cool. You know, like, <laughs> those are my options. You know, um, I responded to the interruption by taking the time and just going, okay, right, just going to take the time and, and answer her properly. Now, I, I don't know, it was through Facebook, so I don't know what the response is to that. I don't know um, what the outcome to how I responded to her is going to be. But I know that God has it. You know, and I know that God will take the words that I said to her and the encouragement I gave her, and he will use them. And I probably won't know until the other side of heaven, because she's not the sort of person to just kind of go jumping around going, I went to church. No, but, um, but I know that God's got it in hand. Sometimes we won't see what the miracle is or the good in our interruption is until the other side of heaven. 
You know, you may not see that that person who you stopped to pray for, you may not see their healing. You may not see... Um, you may not see the reconciliation in their family. You may not see them come to know Christ until you see them on the other side of heaven. But it's definitely worth it because God will take those places, those interruptions, when we're on our way to doing something, he will take those and he will use them. And it says in the Bible that there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for another. Now this doesn't necessarily mean we have to physically die. Although sometimes this can be the case. But to die to our own desires, our wants, our dreams, our fears for the sake of another. You know, this could mean putting aside your own embarrassment to eat school, lunch with a school weirdo. Or in, um, instead of buying your usual latte on the way to work, put that money aside for a week and buy groceries for a hungry family. Now, I just want to encourage you and challenge your perspective a little bit. Do you see yourself as a missionary? Or do you see yourself, are you reaching out to those around you? Or is it up to someone else to take care of? Because I've learned that if I leave something for my children to, you know, take care of, it'll never get done. Oh, I'll just leave those dishes for my family to do. They'll, they'll take care of it. It'll be right. I'll leave that washing to get put away in their room. They'll take care of it. If I leave that for them to do, hoping and praying that they will do it, it won't get done. If I maybe prompt them a million times, it might happen. But, you know, like if we go, oh, I won't pray for that person who's crying. I won't go see if they're all right because someone else will. Oh, that kid's taking food from the rubbish bin. I won't go check and see where their parents are and, and if they need help, you know. Or because someone else will do it. If we leave it up to someone else, then we're potentially um, leaving someone else to miss their miracle. Because, you know what, God will, in, will use our interruptions. He will use us in those times he will use those opportunities but so often life is busy and and we're so focused on ourselves and what is going on around us that we forget to take those interruptions and to um to see what god will do with them yeah i just want to encourage you you know i ask god to show you the outreach opportunities that surround you and to take a leap of faith and act because you never know what will happen um you know, God will take those opportunities and we just have to be willing to use them and willing to see them and open to seeing them, you know, because I really do believe that um, in those times, God is going to bless not only the person that we are um, that we are helping, you know, being interrupted by, but God is going to teach us stuff in that as well. When I was young and young adults back in Invercargill, I used to tell the guys, okay, we're going to see the challenge this week, and you're going to go do this. And it could be, right, we're going to go pray. I want to encourage you to pray for someone who needs healing that you don't know. So it could be you see someone down the street who is limping, stop and ask to pray for them. And the reason I'd do that, I'd say, A, we want to stretch their faith, but B, we want to give them stories and encourage one another. So if you heard of someone the next Tuesday night at Young Adults, that this person who you sit beside each week, who's normally quite quiet and quite shy and quite reserved, went out there and prayed for someone and for a start asked someone if they could pray for them, and that person said yes, you know, how encouraged is your faith going to be? Because you're like, well, I know them. They're just the same as me. You know, I know their background. I know, I know who they are. And it may be that Maybe that person didn't get healed. Maybe that person said no. But the point was the stretching out and the taking the opportunity. The other point was being encouraged by one another and having those stories. Because you might pray for 99 people and not see a single one of them healed. 
But I tell you, when that you pray for that hundredth person and they do get healed, your faith is going to rise and you are going to be so passionate and excited to go out there and do it again and again and again. And I just find that um, hearing people's stories is so encouraging. Hearing of people, people who are just like you and me, ordinary people who have stepped out and seen God come through is just is just awesome. And, you know, that's what, that's what it is to be a Christian. It's to take who we are and who we know and to see the opportunities before us and to go, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go and just see what God does. You know, we may not see that miracle, but we don't know where on the step of the journey that person is. So I remember one time I was, um, I was driving home. My folks was at Miller's Fleet and I was driving home one night and I had this thing about picking up hitchhikers. I used to pray before I'd pick up hitchhikers. And because um, and, I was always traveling on my own. And I was like, okay, God, do I pick up this hitchhiker? I remember picking up this hitchhiker once. And, um, and now I think about it. It was completely stupid. What was I thinking? Single girl, alone in the car. It's getting dark. I picked up this guy. And he was, I think, a little bit drunk. I'm not quite sure, but he was a little bit interesting. And we are talking. And, um, and I had some flyers for a, music, a Christian music festival on, my, um, on the seat of my car, and he's looking at them and talking about it. And I was like, oh, I was a Christian. And he's like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, he goes, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what? He's like, you're the sixth Christian to pick me up in my hitchhiking. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you're like the sixth person. I'm like, do you think God's trying to tell you something? He's like, oh, nah. <laughs> no. I'm like, really? There's been six, like, I'm the sixth person to pick you up, and I'm a Christian. Thank God's telling you something. You know, like, so <laughs> nothing happened. I'd love to say, yeah, I prayed for him, he got saved. Kind of God, you know, was like fully restored and stuff. Didn't happen. But you know what? You know, I don't know. I'm willing to bet, given that I was number six, that God just kept having him picked up by Christians until he actually sorted himself out and listened to what God was trying to say. You know, so we don't know when we step out and take an opportunity. We don't know. We may think, oh, it didn't mean anything. God didn't do anything. But we don't know where on that person's journey we are and how we might be um, leading them into, into, into Jesus. I believe that every interaction that we have with people will either leave them one step closer to Jesus or one step further away. And I want to encourage you, and also challenge myself that for me, that whenever I interact with people, I want it to be that I'm bringing them one step closer to Jesus rather than one step away.